Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Radiohead. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? I'm Ellie Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. Today I'm joined by... Annie Fell, Associate Editor. And we have a very cool two-for show for you today, listeners. The main event, Joe Casey of Proto-Martyr in conversation with Matt Flagel of Preoccupations, followed by a short, a quick snippet of conversation between Portishead and Beak's Jeff Barrow and the one and only Annika Henderson, a.k.a. Annika of Exploded View. A real action-packed episode. <laughs> now, Annie, tell me how this talk between Joe and Matt came together. Well, Proto-Martyr and Preoccupations actually just toured together through the end of 2018, and they released a split 7-inch covering each other's songs called Telemetry at Howe Bridge. I fucking love when artists do that. Like, when I heard that Devendra Banhart and Tim Kinsella of Joan of Arc were doing that, I I had to invite them on the show. Yeah, it's so exciting. And we actually hear in the talk that this was a long time coming for them. Yeah, it seems like these guys have been friends for a long time and it just makes perfect sense for them to be on tour together. I would say, Annie, in my opinion, these are two of the most exciting post-punk influenced bands out right now. Wholeheartedly agree. Nice, nice. So an exciting thing in my nerdy little podcast show world, the last two weeks we've had two more artists hit the oh-so-coveted hat trick of appearances on Talkhouse Podcast. For a long time, that mantle had been singularly held by Carrie Brownstein. But last week, we had Vince Clark of Depeche Mode, Yaz and Erasure hit his third episode when he was in conversation with the guys from Orbital. And now, Joe Casey of Proto Martyr. Joe has previously been on the show chatting with Andrew Savage of Parquet Courts and then at a live event from London with the Raincoats. We got to get them all jackets. Oh, I love it. We're starting a gang. (laughs) For listeners who maybe didn't catch those earlier episodes, Proto-Martyr have some very bleak lyrics. Annie, I am a big fan of bleak lyrics. And when Joe describes difficult situations in his family, in the world, I appreciate that. Jen Goma of A Sunny Day in Glasgow actually reviewed their last album, 2017's Relatives in Descent, for us. And she really said it best with, Proto-Martyr used dissonance like a weapon, musically and lyrically, to assault your expectation of resolution. Mic drop for Showtime Goma. (laughs) Let's check out their track, A Private Understanding. Sees the face of Joseph Stout And it's just hard Then the wind changed the cloud into his smiling lord And he was affected profoundly But he could never describe the feeling He passed away on the bathroom floor Brutally beautiful, right? Yeah, so great. Yeah. Now, fellow post-punk's preoccupations are led by the other half of this conversation, singer and bassist Matt Flagel. Their last album, last year's new material, saw the band back off of the noise and dissonance of their previous two albums, Preoccupations and Viet Cong, to a more frenetic pop catchiness. And sort of paradoxically, Flagel described the album as an ode to depression and self-sabotage and looking inward at yourself with extreme hatred. You know what I thought was remarkable about this, Annie, is that two guys whose lyrics can be so emotionally brutal, so raw, can have such a hilarious time 
talking about their records and lives. Yeah, they're really funny dudes. They're funny. There's a lot of laughs in this one. Totally. From new material, let's check out the track Espionage. Annie, the guys sat down at Record Bar in Kansas City to record this conversation. I've played there, Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful room. They Mm -hmm. actually have some really cool vinyl, like, plates and kind of like weird shit they've done with melted vinyl. But I want to say the guys are sitting in the green room. And as with any green room, whether you're playing a huge room or a small room, there's a lot of noise going on, especially when there's other band members. A lot of action in the background. (laughs) So listeners, you might catch the rest of Preoccupations and Proto Martyr having a few drinks and laughs as this conversation happens. The guys get into a lot here. It was really interesting for me to hear them talking about being reluctant lead singers. Yeah, an intra-band fighting. I don't know how any band can tour for months and years on end in a tiny van and not have some hate bounce around occasionally. It's only natural. How would you not? We hear about the creative challenges that arise when bandmates live in different cities. We also hear about how the death of Joe's father motivated him to, quote, do something with his life. That was very powerful. Yeah. The guy's talk also touches on the Detroit housing market, the 85 Tigers, and how super sports nerds can be just about as insufferable as super music nerds. You think they're talking about us? Yeah, I feel a little attacked. (laughs) (laughs) Should we roll the tape? Let's do it. Let's introduce ourselves here. Sure. Uh, You go first. All right, age before beauty. I'm Joe Casey. I'm the lead singer of the band Protomartyr. And my name is Matthew Flegel, and I'm the lead singer and the bass player in the band Preoccupations. We're on tour together. We're on tour. We're currently in a basement of the record bar in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a beautiful a, Kansas City. Beautiful Kansas City. It's one of the problems of touring is you never really get to see a city very much. This is true. This You're is mostly, true. Mostly sitting in basements like this. Yeah. Um, you go everywhere and you see nothing. Yeah. Or if, as you're drinking, you forget everything that you saw. Yeah, and you have a good time, and you you know you meet people uh, every single night, and then you see them again like two years later and they're like, we had a great time with you last night and you don't remember them at all. No, uh, yeah. I've met a lot of people, but I don't remember any names. But I I do like to say, what's your name? Yeah. Because maybe occasionally one will stick. Every once in a while, and then when you do remember someone's name, it's it makes you feel good and it yeah. makes them feel really good, you know? Yeah. And it's good to try to be better at that kind of stuff, but yeah. I don't know. So how long have we been on tour now? Uh, two weeks, I think? A little bit over two weeks? A little bit over two weeks. It's been pretty solid so far. We had our first uh, kind of band breakdown last night. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you were witness to. I, uh, I, I saw it starting to happen and then yeah. I was out the door by the time. Yeah, I... no, you got out at a good point. Um, do you, is it something that you can talk about? Yeah, oh, absolutely, we can talk about it. Because um, band breakdowns, I think, are is something that every band goes through. Do you guys ever fight on tour? Um, since we've got a tour manager, it's been less. Here, and this is yeah. the deal. Is This is one of the first tours we've done in a long time where we haven't had a tour manager. Right. And the tour manager, basically, if anything goes wrong, you have someone to lay the blame on that's not in the band. Right. And it keeps everything kind of level. Yeah. And I feel like that was exactly the problem last night. It was yeah. mis- miscommunication. Everyone got too drunk. No one could drive. Right. And, and that was usually the number one reason why we would fight 
because uh, when we used to yeah manage ourselves, we would you know one person would be this have to be the sober one, and then immediately they become like the daddy where we have to exactly. boss everybody around, and you know yeah it never works. So. Um, but it's good. It's uh, we had a big kind of sit down lunch. We knew we were gonna be late. Yeah, but we sat down had. Uh, you know, we broke bread and tossed nice. over everything, and it's fine now. Yeah, and that and that just happens on the road, you know. I think what's also keeping <clears throat> both the bands uh, is we're on tour with this band, Rattle, from uh, Nottingham. We're fantastic. We're great. It's uh, really nice to be around and an awesome band. Maybe like the one thing of this uh, talk, does anything maybe will convince people to check out their new record and just came out, and uh, this is their last day of tour. Um, and it's Katie's birthday today. And it's Katie's birthday. So uh, if you have a chance, uh, listeners, uh, we got readers. some we got some snacks hiding in there for her. We yeah. bought some giant sparklers. Um, yeah. from a fireworks shop. Now we're gonna do that. We probably have to do that outside. <laughs> well, I feel like we'd probably set off a fire alarm down here. But, yeah. Um, it's it's worth trying and seeing if we can set off the fire alarm. Probably. Yeah. It's a benefit, I think, to tour with bands that you get along with. Um, uh, but also, like with with Rattle, I like it because I I think that they're different than our bands. Um, well, it's nice to have some ladies around too. Nice ladies, yeah, because everybody's on their best behavior a little bit more. A little bit more, so I mean, not not terribly. Yeah, we're, so, like, we're scumbags still. Yeah, yeah, we're still yeah, we're still scumbags. Uh, no, it's been a pleasure being around those guys. Yeah, and it just kind of changed. I, I think they're a perfect band to set the tone for the night. Whereas if people were expecting like a like oh here comes like three rock bands like. They kind of show maybe more experimental stuff. Well, and it's yeah, and it's two dudes with low voices yelling. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is us. Yeah, um, and I feel like you, you can only really take so much of that. Yeah, you need something. You need something to. Uh, it's like a piece of ginger in between this sushi. You know, you need to cleanse the palate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's how I always used to describe our band in the early days, and I think it's probably still true, except. I used to say it's half, it's a 20 minutes of a fat guy yelling at you. <laughs> now it's a full hour of a fat guy yelling at you. So it's like, not so good, but. Uh, uh, it's been good though. Yeah. I think, I don't know, the shows have been good. It's funny, I, I mean, we have GGBB is a, an expression that we use, uh, uh, good guys, bad band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've toured around with a bunch of fucking fantastic humans. I, I feel like nine out of 10 bands are you know, like-minded. They're yeah. doing the same thing as you. It's kind of hard to, yeah. I don't know, it's hard to not be on some kind of the same level. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day, that there's uh, tons of bands that you, you know, yeah, that people are great, but maybe you just don't like their music very much. Like, to find a real asshole is pretty rare, I think, at this point. Yeah, level. there's a few. What's yeah. the name drop? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. Fucking assholes. I oh. did, uh, long, the first time we ever played Salt Lake City, there was a, we were on a tour with our friend uh, uh, Derek, who's in Turn to Crime, mm -hmm. and we got to this bar to play, and the guy that booked the show didn't want, he wanted to play when he wanted to play. Right. And because he said that, and then we were like, oh, well, actually, you know, Derek can go first, and, and he's like, no, he's like, I, I write for Vice, you know, I, I, you know and he used that as- He's a big deal. Yeah, big deal, and yeah. I've never heard of him since, so. Uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like people's tolerance for that is pretty low. Yeah, um, the big timer kind of move is always a yeah, bad yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think bands, it's always different. Yeah. I feel like you uh, you find the assholes when it's like the dude with a laptop showing up with you know a twenty person entourage. Yeah, yeah. Then that gets a little ludicrous, but mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Do you think uh, rock music is dying? Um, well, who knows? Uh, I think it's changing probably. I think what we thought rock was is probably different. It seems like there's still kids going to shows. Maybe it's not the popular thing right now, you know? Yeah. Like I've heard the argument that like rock music isn't dangerous anymore, but I think it's just that they, it's just not where the money is, you know? It was decided that it's not where the money is. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, this is all you guys do. Like, do you have another day job or anything? No. Uh, does does anyone? I think Alex does, right? Alex used to. Okay. Um, he was the one that had the real job. Uh, Alex or uh, Greg, I forgot the name of the guys in the band. <laughs> Greg, Greg and I had kind of like part-time jobs. Um, but yeah, this, I guess it was before the last record is when we finally all quit our jobs. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't been working day jobs for a few years now, but we live on like a very meager existence. No, yeah, and I think I think it's important to convey, especially when it's two musicians talking or two people in bands, because I think people think like, oh, I've seen their picture in a magazine, they must be loaded. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. No, it's like my grandparents think oh, I'm yeah. a rock star, you know? Yeah, they're like, like, no. Where's I mean, your sports car? Like, no, <laughs> no, no, can't no, no, afford no. a car, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Detroit's an easier place to get by on not too much money. Though. It is. It is. Uh, it's changing. Um, it's not like I'm completely impoverished, but like my, I live in the old family house and the uh, pipe burst in it, and the cost of repairing the pipe to, and getting all the water out of the basement was worth more, more than the house. Was worth more than the house and more was more money than I had made the year prior. Yeah. So yeah, it's it completely like. Yeah set me back and I was like, wow, you know, what if I had tried to have kids or a family? That's impossible. Yeah. I mean I I just moved from Montreal to New York and Montreal is a very easy place to get by on not very much money. Yeah. It's still very cheap there. You know, even with an influx of artists and like video game companies setting oh, yeah. up shop and stuff. It's it's getting more expensive but it's it's more of a slow burn. Yeah. In Detroit I'd say certain areas that were dirt cheap five years ago or now priced out, but you know, Detroit's a big city, so there's still plenty of places to uh, to do it, you know. Yeah, I'm always perusing the, uh, like Zillow and shit like that, mm -hmm. looking at houses in Detroit, and it's like, you know. Yeah, it's still doable. I still try to convince everybody to move to Detroit that I like. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. But to people I don't like, I say, you know, no, it's full, it's, you don't, we don't need you anymore. I don't know, man. I mean, I ended up in Greenpoint in Brooklyn, which is kind of the last place I figured I'd end there up. There you go, yeah, that was a very, like, almost like a stereotypical move. It's absolutely a stereotypical move. Like, from like 15 years ago or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and you know, it's, I like it. Oh, no, I guess. I don't I, want to end up there for the rest of my days or anything, but. Oh, no, yeah. It's, uh, it's just a different thing. I don't know. Montreal to, to New York is uh, completely different. Yeah. And like five times uh, more expensive. Yeah, uh, Alex, our drummer, uh, moved to New York recently as well. And he says the same thing, you know. So maybe you guys can like uh, do some busking together. And I'll play yeah, that. yeah, I'll throw, the, hat, throw the hats out, man. Make some money. <laughs> well, I gotta think of something. Plus I'm not a, you know, I'm not a citizen, so finding work outside of this oh, yeah, yeah. is also kind of, uh, it's a process, or mm -hmm. I just got to get paid under the table and wash dishes or something. But yeah, I think when people when people hear that we don't have jobs, they think it's because the money coming in allows us not to have jobs. But the secret is like to tour. Oh yeah, we have to the the amount we have to to make any sort of money. 
we can't have a job. No, no one's gonna hire someone that's gone half the year. Yeah, of course we, not. We kept on, we, we held on to the jobs as long as we could, and then it's like, well, they want us to do like a two month tour. Well, I can't really leave a job for two months yeah, and come yeah. back. What did you do before though? This is your first, yeah, first, first band. First band, band. Right? Uh, right before this band, I was working at a comedy club. Oh, yeah. And it was the second comedy club I worked at. And the only reason I got the job in the, the first one was because my cousin, who was really into improv, opened it up and I needed a job. So that was, uh, that was it. So somehow I found myself being a good as a comedy club doorman. Like right. Selling, selling tickets. Yeah. I mean, I've done mostly shit labor jobs. Yeah. I've always been a musician. I've been a musician since I was a teenager. So basically anything to kind of fill in the space, but like... yeah. So like you, you became, like you knew right when, because for me, like, was there music in your house growing up? Like oh, you yeah. Knew pretty early on. Yeah, I mean, every, basically every Sunday, my dad would get together with his uncles. Okay. They'd get together, they'd buy a bottle of booze and sit around with the guitars and oh, like wow. play old classics, play old like Marty Robbins shit. And nice. Like, yeah. So it was always around. And the old man was supportive. I mean, he bought me and my brother guitars, I think when I would have been like 12 and he would have been nine. And he cut off the cable. Okay. It's like I'm cutting off the cable. I'm buying the boys' guitars, and well, you know we bitched and moaned for a while, and then eventually, we're, you know. Oh yeah. We so got into it. He was supportive of like definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, it's also a weird thing for I don't know. I just can't imagine being a father and being like, I want my son to do this. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. You kind of have to. You can uh, appreciate it or be still kind to your your son, but you wouldn't be like, now here's what you got to do to make it. You, know? <laughs> you can't do that. You know? like, yeah. Uh, develop a drinking habit. Yeah, you gotta drink a little go, bit. Go yeah. out on the road. Yeah. Um, do a terrible job at maintaining every human relationship that you have. Yeah, so then you'll make work. beautiful music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> work uh, back-breaking labor jobs in between. Yeah. <laughs> Did they, but he never said something like, you know, stop, stop doing this? Like, no. No. No, I mean, well, I'm getting too old for this, maybe. Or? No, no, no. But I was kind of like, when I was a teenager, I was a little shit, like probably most of us were. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, I'm quitting school. I'm moving away. I'm gonna move to Europe, and like, yeah. And I did. I did everything that I said I was gonna <laughs> yeah. do, but it yeah. wasn't. They weren't yeah. good decisions. Yeah, you were a little shit, but you, you know, you followed through with it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, I mean, he's proud. He's. Mm -hmm. We're friends now. Okay. We didn't used to be friends, and now, you know, it's like right. I look forward to spending time with him, and he's just like, you know. That's probably usually, up how, here. usually how it goes, yeah. I, I have no idea how I ended up being in a band. It was never really the plan at all. Well, I heard the story that, you, like, those other boys were playing, and then you mm -hmm. would be kind of hanging out at the bar that they were playing, and you'd, well, we, you'd me, step in every once in a while. Greg and I had this, we worked at the same job, and it was just holding doors for people walking into, like, a theater. Yeah. It's a really like um, a sad job for a guy in his thirties to have. Mm -hmm. You know, like Greg was much younger. I was like, oh, this is a job you have when you're in college or yeah, just of out of college. And so I was like, man, I gotta do something with my life. You know, and it really was. You know, speaking of dads, it was kind of like my dad. My dad died like ten years ago. Yeah, and it was like, oh man, I gotta do something. Yeah. So that was kind of the uh, what kind of drove me like to at least approach Greg about being in a band or singing. Right. Know? And then, but I never before that had any like inkling or desire. I, I didn't grow up in a very musical were family. You, were you a writer before that? Sorta, not really. You know, I, I went to school for writing. Okay, uh, but that I, makes sense. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I never like wrote. You know, I didn't go home and write. And I have friends that wrote a lot more than I did. My brother went to graduate school for creative writing. You know, like, right. he really kind of like pursued it for a while. 
But yeah, it just seemed like an easy thing to do in Detroit, you know. And yeah, I had no idea. I've never really been so much of a writer. Yeah. Um, until lately. Yeah. Just because really no one else wanted to do it, and we're like. Yeah. I ended up singing. This is the first band that I ever sang in. Okay. You know, I played bass and guitar in a bunch of other people's bands, playing other people's music, but. And was that just a case of like no one else wanted to do it, or did you? Exactly. Have, you didn't have any like now is my chance. No. To, no, no, no. No one else wanted to do it. Yeah. And I'm still pretty reluctant with yeah. it, to be totally honest. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know what good singing is. I don't know what bad singing is. No. And I don't know if I do... Either one of Either, us. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but it was kind of a similar thing, because uh, in Greg and Alex's band, they both sang, and they both have beautiful voices. Really? Yeah. Those boys can sing. Yeah, but they don't, they don't... I've always been like, well, you know, if you guys want to do, like, backing vocals, like, to help maybe... Anchor some of this ridiculousness. Honestly, it's nice. It's yeah. nice having some of that too. Yeah. Like Monty's great at just kind of filling it in and like doing the little harmonies. When I, yeah. I don't know, when I'm writing stuff, I always write things with harmonies. Yeah. And it's nice having someone. Uh, plus, Monty always remembers my words better than I do. Oh yeah. I was just like, what's the third verse of that one again? And he's just like, oh. Yeah. What did I? What did I? What did I say? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll coax him into doing backing vocals. Oh yeah, I should. Because I do think it is a benefit to have like someone else kind of backing you up in your songs, especially yeah, when when Monty's doing the backing vocals. Like, oh yeah, kind of like yeah, brings out new stuff. Bolsters it, man. Yeah. What I. Uh, so Greg's spending a bunch of time in Chicago these days. Yeah, yeah. He's got a girlfriend. And then Alex is in Brooklyn. Are you guys like feeling the weirdness of living in different cities? Uh, not. I think we will once this tour is over, just because then after this tour is over, it's like, okay, now I need to work on the new stuff. Yeah. And this will be the first time where he's not going to be around for some of it. Because um, usually like Greg and him work together, and then Scott and I kind of, like Scott kind of comes in a little bit later after they've kind of worked some stuff out and then I come in near the end. Yeah. You know, I kind of wait till they've got the song sort of figured out enough because what used to happen was I'd be there for all the practices and all of the kind of dicking around. Yeah, yeah. But then I'd get too attached to some part that they would discard and so I'd get frustrated. Yeah, yeah, of course. So it's better when they know that they like a song because I'm easily convinced like, oh, I can do something with this song or something. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like our writing process has changed immensely since we've started living away from one another. Yeah. I also feel like it's kind of more efficient now. Yeah. It's like less digging around, it's less like... We need to explore and like find... Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. It's less It's less jammy, which I don't know if it, that means it's less uh, organic or like less yeah, was, visceral or whatever. I was whatever, worried about like, that. Yeah, when we were like, oh man, we just jammed out a song. But I think it's... You kind of learn that you can do that sometimes. It's still a tool to write a song. Of course. But like, if that's the only way to do it, then it'd be terrible. It'd be like insufferable if you had to get in there and jam every single time. What's that? Do you guys throw away a lot of songs? Uh, we have, and I think it's one of the reasons why we did the process of like having like Greg in the band work out stuff yeah. know, ahead of time, because then they're a lot more confident in like what they've done. So he's kind of the mastermind. Musically, he's like the you know, the band leader, I'd say. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's mostly just because he's the only guy that was ever in a band before, and has studied music the longest. Yeah, whereas yeah, yeah. The rest of us kind of just picked it up when this stuff started. <laughs> right. So, um, with this early stage, we don't know what's going to come and you know how it's going to work. But like Alex is able to come back enough that I think it's going to be okay. I mean, New York, it really isn't that far. No, and, uh, it's not. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, uh, these guys are in Montreal. I'm in New York now, and it's, you know, I've been going back and forth quite a bit. And where would you guys be, all meet in Montreal? Is that kind of like the Yeah, place? I mean, uh, these guys just got a really 
great studio space set up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an apartment on top of a, like a deli or a dipanu, they call them there, but mm-hmm. no neighbors on either side. Perfect, yeah. And it's pretty set up, and Monty's girlfriend's in there. She's, she's been our sound tech for, you know, a bunch of years before this trip. Mm-hmm. So she, her gear collection is amazing, but it's set up like it's going to be yeah. almost a proper studio, you know? Yeah, and then also when you when you know you have a limited time, I, I think we found in the past it actually makes us work a little bit better and faster. Yeah, where it's not like oh we're just gonna dick around for a while. It's like oh we. Let's. I mean I like the, I like the digging around though. Yeah. I do. I mean that's kind of one of my favorite parts of of the process, and that's usually I don't know like for us it's mostly me and Monty getting together. Yeah. I write all the skeletons of the songs. I've got a melody and I've got a guitar part or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Here's here's a guitar part, Monty. Like right around right yeah. around that. Yeah. And then he helps us arrange it, and then Danny comes in. He you know sprinkles, sprinkles his flavor dust. dust. On it. Yeah. 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 Danny's kind of the the secret weapon. Yeah. He's also just the funnest dude to be around. Yeah. You know, when I first met him uh, a couple years ago, I thought he was uh, insane. I didn't quite like. He is. Well, know. when you met him a couple years ago, he might have been a little, a little bit insane. more insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, he is just a charming. Uh, he's a good. Seems like a perfect person to be having a band. Yeah. Because he adds, he, he seems to have almost a childlike innocence about him. He does actually. He would hate to hear that. No, yeah, but he's also a tough. He's a badass. He's also super tough. Yeah, yeah. he's jacked, and if you cross him, no, he but will see, be, he's yeah. got a nice light personality that kind of lifts the room. I'm yeah. sure if if this is ever like released on audio, you probably will hear like the laughter in the background. But if you hear any laughter, it's definitely Danny in the yeah. background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there have been so many times that we've stayed in hotels and. You know, Danny's like 10 rooms down, and I hear him in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think, you know, besides the fights that happen on the road, uh, having a good crew is important. Like, you get along with everybody in the band. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's the most important. We've just been doing this stuff for so long that it, it's like we know what makes everyone tick, and it's like yeah, if someone does something, you know, Disagreeable. Yeah, it's like I know exactly what to say to oh, yeah. set this motherfucker off. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's always Wallace. Danny's our drummer. It's always the drummer, guys. It is. Yeah. What is, what is it with drummers? I guess because the, they're the timekeepers. I suppose they're the timekeepers. Yeah. I'm stressed out about it. Yeah. Shouldn't be worrying about time that much, you know? Oh no. Take it easy. <laughs> Um, so, you, like, we're, I guess we're both in the same boat, that we're kind of at the end of our, well, you're going to go to Europe next year, but we're kind of at the end of our, I guess they call it album cycles, where it's like, now it's time to work on new stuff. Right? Well, kind of. I mean, I, I think that's what people tell you. Yeah. And I think that's how, you know, booking agents see it. Yeah. But I also think booking agents should just send you to places that you haven't played yet. Yes, exactly. Because no. there's so many places that we haven't played, and I feel like that's important to get out there. Right. I think the music industry thinks people think about the album cycle, but the, the person going to shows has no idea. Sometimes they do. Or in, care. In, yeah. in places like Brooklyn and L.A. where yeah. everyone is based, then yeah. 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 But then you come to somewhere like Kansas City and it's like, they don't care if yeah. your record just came out, they're just happy that people this are is, coming. This is yeah. our first time. We've played Kansas City once opening up for Cloud Nothings, and this was like five years ago. Last night there was guys from, I think, Sioux Falls that drove three hours and they're like, hey, next time. You know, just play can. there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, I would, you know. We're doing it anyways. Yeah. And honestly, like being on the road, I, you know, I spend less money than when I'm sitting at home doing fuck all. And it's like, it, I don't know, it's just, it's good to stay busy, I yeah. guess. Oh no, if I'm sitting at home, I'm 
Probably just be playing video games and staring at the wall. You know? Yeah. So uh, this feels like this is us doing our job, you know. So it is. But also having a good time doing it. It's an odd job. It is. Yeah. Man, it's a little odd. It's a combination of being like a door-to-door -door salesman and like a circus performer. I, I think a long-distance truck driver. Yeah. Honestly, if we were just driving a big truck and dropping trailers off and loading docks, we'd yeah. be making the good dough, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know exactly where we're going to be the next day. Yeah, but then, but then you wouldn't have people like uh, insulting your your job on online. And that's the thing that's the most important. The most important thing is having uh, having your soul bared in front of a crowd of people to just dissect on the internet. Yeah, or like you release an album that you've worked so hard on and the response is, meh. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like you, put, you put a guy on the guest list, a writer on the guest list. He gets into the show for free and like probably gets drink tickets and stuff. And then he writes kind of a, you know. Yeah, yeah they're fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that happens way more than you'd think. The newest thing, I, I don't know how exciting this would be for listeners, but the... Oh, people are going to be listening to this. Yeah, or lit readers, I don't know how this is going to be. A, a, lot of, a lot of listeners on this one. But the newest thing to watch out for is on Facebook, I noticed, and I think it's especially... Are you on Facebook? I, the band is, yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm really... I've been, I'm on there, but I don't really... Please don't look me up. <laughs> uh, but I noticed that there's a lot of fake scammers now trying to scam people on, like, event things for like, it never happened to our band before and i'm like it's not that we're getting bigger i think it's just like scammers or you know they'll do it even for shows that aren't sold out they'll be like dm me for tickets oh yeah yeah, yeah. right so watch wow. out for that that's my little advice tip for the day yeah yeah no i'm absolutely gonna watch out for that mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not on the social media stuff no, like as i know like uh wallace does your wallace instagram. does the instagram wallace is into it yeah. But he's also kind of fed up with it to a point where it's, he's just staring at the phone all day and he's like, yeah. I, and he throws it down in frustration. He's like, I'm done with this. Like, why am I wasting my life looking at my phone? It's like, yeah, uh -huh. it's, I, it's one of those things like, well, we have a Twitter, but it's mostly just to retweet someone saying, hey, go see Proto. Like, we don't re retweet people like saying, hey, Proto is a great band or anything like that. It's very like a, it's barely a Twitter. Mm -hmm. We have a Facebook and I mostly just... There's no thought put into it whatsoever. No, I never no. want like an opinion or like... Absolutely a, not. You know, and I thought about it, I kind of toss and turn at night like, oh, maybe if we had more of an online presence, we'd, you know, but then I'm like, why would I expend so much energy trying to keep that facade going, you know? Yeah. And no one cares what I think about things, you know, like I can't do like a Twitter where it's like, today I was, you know, being I, funny, I got not funny. I can't enough. do it. Yeah. Plus, I feel like I would say the wrong thing, and then it yeah. would all come crashing down. Yeah, I, I spend too much time on the road, uh, slightly inebriated. So, like, I, yeah. I'm sure there'd be something I'm like, oh, I think this is funny, and then oh, yeah. I stay like, oh god. No, no, if there were these microphones in our van any given day, yeah. and the the public heard anything that we were saying, yeah, oh, we'd be just, yeah. Yeah, that would be it for everything. Yeah, so I, I think it's... We're just jokers, though. I'm not saying we're... We're not killing children in our van or anything yeah. like that, but we talk about it. We've, uh, that, that's frowned upon, I think. Is that frowned upon? I think killing children is frowned upon, yeah. We're, we're, we're against killing children, so... <laughs> that's why these bands get along so well. Is yeah. You guys are against killing children. Our band, yeah. I think mostly against I mean, killing children. Greg wasn't so sure whether or not it was a bad thing or not. But we convinced him, I think. We're just using our logic. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... The idea of an online persona just does not work for the band. So I'm glad that we didn't do that early on. You know, we figured 
I wouldn't even really want a Facebook, but I understand it's like a, one of the only places we can you can really say, hey, we have a show yeah. coming up. Or, well, and you guys have a manager that kind of probably takes care of most of that stuff. Right? No, I mean, except for like maybe reposting some uh, concert events or something like that, or some. I'm really the only one that does the, the Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's trying to keep it as bare bones as possible. Don't have an Instagram. No. Don't kid. Do you look at other people's Instagram? I do. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like looking at it. Yeah. And, and uh, I have my own. I like swiping. What do you, uh, what's your go-to app? You got like sports apps? You into, no, like, no. I are you like a big hardcore Tigers fan or just wearing the hat? Uh, I'm, I would say I'm a middle of the road. Who's the, who's, who are some of the classic Tigers greats? Was Tony Gwynn Tigers? Ah, boy, see, I don't know about that, but like Mickey Lolich was a big one. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Because I used uh, to collect baseball cards like when I was a kid. All right, because the 84 Tigers, uh, yeah. that was the big Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was like you know, Chet Lemon and Lou Whitaker right. and Jack Morris and Sparky Anderson was the manager. And so that was like when I was a kid, I really, you know, it was only kind of later in life that I was like, oh, you know, I actually kind of like baseball. and. Uh, and I like it in the band because I'm the baseball guy. Scott's the hockey guy. Yeah. Greg's the football guy. Okay. Alex doesn't really. He doesn't seem like a sporty guy. Not a sporty guy. He's no. more of a book guy. Yeah, whatever, man. But you, you guys are. <laughs> is there, are you the hockey guy in the? Uh... I'm the only one that cares about any sport at all, and it's hockey. Yeah. 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 Um, for better or for worse, and it, it's one of those things that I'm embarrassed that I care about it. Yeah, why? Because I, I honestly think, and I know this is completely uh, prejudiced of me, but I think a lot of times sports fans can be insufferable. Just like maybe like oh, yeah. super music fans or yeah. like people that like rate like this band is the fifth best band of all time. Like who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, get out, get outside, nerd. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but, no, it's uh, the same thing. It's a uh, you know. Yeah. I know exactly why I like it. It's because I read the news, mm -hmm. and everything that I read in the news is extremely depressing. Yeah, and then I read the sports, and I'm just like, oh, just like numbers and guys' names. It gives you something else to think about, yeah. Well, it's just something that, it's, you know, it's relaxing, like, yeah. It absolutely is relaxing yeah. uh, for me. But a lot of people, you know, they, they go nuts about it. Oh, yeah. And I, and I like the base, yeah, or like sports in general, like the, there's levels to it. You know, you can be a, you can really study the stats and know every single player's name, or you can just, you know, enjoy, enjoy it on a surface level. I go to, I go to the odd baseball game. Yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend gets tickets for uh, Yankees every once in a while. So oh, I, I go and I, I don't know anything about it. I'm not a baseball guy. I just yeah. go because it's a fun thing yeah. to do on like a Sunday afternoon or whatever. You know? Yeah. Those damn Yankees. Well, that's yeah. what everyone says. Yeah. Well, that's because it's like, with America's team or whatever, like the most popular team. I guess. I mean, I feel like people in America have the same kind of view on the Yankees as people in Canada have for the Montreal Canadiens, who have won like 35 Stanley Cups. Oh, and yeah. they're, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Same, same kind of deal. Makes sense, yeah. Um, people are like winners. People like the winners. Hey, we've got some singing on this. <laughs> Uh, so we should probably we should wrap this shit up, man. Yeah, we're we're halfway through the tour. We gotta get to the West Coast. Um, are we are we pushing anything right now? Uh, no. Oh no, I know. Actually, we have a we, we have that split uh, single. Oh yeah, we have a split single. Uh, Preoccupations covered a Proto Mutter song, and Proto Mutter covered a Preoccupation song, which was very delightful. It was a delightful uh, little thought process that we had. It's been in the works for a long time. Yeah. I mean, touring around with you guys has also been uh, yeah. something we've I'm talked glad about doing for a happen years. too. Yeah. Me too, man. Yeah, I'd say uh, touring with Canadian bands so far, we've been two for two as far as uh, who else? Mets. Mets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good guys, good band. Good guys, good band. 
Absolutely. But uh, yeah, once this tour is done, we go back uh, home to work on the next masterpiece mm -hmm. that will get a low rating on Pitchfork. And you guys will be... I'm going to go... Uh, I'm gonna go try not to hang myself during the holidays. Yeah, yeah, dark times, yeah. dark times ahead. That's why uh, I'll be playing video games <laughs> and staring at the wall. <laughs> but uh, we gotta get ready because Rattle's gonna go on and uh, we should get going. Yep, thanks for listening everyone. I'm hoping that this was extremely entertaining. Well, we got, and you can, you can hear the laughter through the wall. That's Danny entertaining everybody in the green room. Yeah, everything that's being spoken about in the green room is much more, uh, much more interesting than this. But, but thanks for putting up with us. Yeah, thanks for putting up with us. Boys, we'll put up with you anytime. Thanks again for joining us on the show. Make sure to check out their new 7-inch and head over to TalkHouse to read Joe Casey's essays on Sauna Youth, The Fall, Bob Seger, and Wolf Eyes. The man is a veritable rock and roll scholar. <laughs> a very prolific writer. Now, Annie, as I mentioned, this is a two for show. This is a double barrel episode. The next part of the conversation is a short. And the reason it's a short is because... A little background, Jeff Barrow, he of Portishead, he of Beak, and Annika Henderson, who has released records as Annika, who is the front person of Exploded View, a fantastic band on Sacred Bones Records. These are very experimental artists, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the problem is, although we arranged studios for them to record in Berlin and England, they decided to get experimental with the recording of this episode. And I'm just gonna say they fucked it up. <laughs> and, and that's no shade, that's no shade. Mm -hmm. Jeff Barrow's done a lot of good work and I'm sure a lot of fuck ups have turned into great things. And I've got to say, we've had Jeff on the show once before. He's such a fascinating guy. And I am a big fan of Annika and could not miss the opportunity to have her join us on the show finally. I want to run this clip now because, as I mentioned, Annika is coming for a super, super rare tour of America. She's going to be out the rest of January across the country. And listeners, I strongly, strongly recommend that if you get a chance, if she comes to your city, if she comes to Record Bar in Kansas City, Annie, you got to check it out. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with her music, Annika released an amazing solo debut record. It was just called Annika, and Jeff Barrow's band, Beak, co-produced it and were the musicians. Very experimental. She wrote a couple originals, and there were some covers, songs like The End of the World, get a whole new spaced-out treatment. I highly, highly recommend taking a listen to that record. It's definitely one of my favorites of the decade. Annika is a former political journalist, and I figured after that record came out, and I never heard anything else from her, that she'd just gone back to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what she was doing in the interim, but I do know that just a few years back, she came out of the blue with the very cool band Exploded View. Now, Exploded View actually came together when Annika performed solo with several local artists in Mexico. Right. Now, Annika herself is German-born, was raised over there, spent a lot of time in England, and you can hear her accent sounds more English mm -hmm. than German, although when she sings, it switches. And the clip we're going to play today really focuses on the lessons she learned from working with collaborators from very different cultural backgrounds. Let's hear the fruits of that collaboration. From last year's record, Obey, check out Dark Stains. You're in a constant battle with yourself Fighting those ghosts of the past That inheritance is no excuse And you can break this You can break this You can break this 
Very cool stuff, right? So cool. Now, as Elliot briefly mentioned, Jeff Barrow began his career as the founder of the legendary band Portishead. After their album Third was released in 2008, Barrow also started the electronic group Beak, whose third album was released this past September. And the funny thing about that is, I, I don't know how to pronounce the title. Do you, Andy? Neither do I. That's why I didn't say it. What is it? It's Arrows. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the greater than yeah, symbol. Yeah. We'll, we'll just call it greater than. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also composes film scores with his longtime partner, Ben Salisbury, notably working on the Annihilation score, which actually just got shortlisted for an Oscar nom. Congrats, Jeff. Yeah, it's wild. In this clip of conversation between Jeff and Annika, the two discuss how she found a band just when she was about to quit the music industry forever. And how being from three countries, what the members of Exploded View have taught each other. Let's roll it. Let's do it. It was weird because, you know, the time when I actually went to Mexico, it was when I decided to quit music uh, again you know again again yeah yeah i've tried a few times as well yeah yeah. and i think it was actually when we were supposed to be writing we were we were talking about writing another annika record yeah and then it just didn't really you know it was like when do you have time it was like oh maybe in 2020 or something and then yeah it was this thing of like we it was just so complicated with everyone and so I ended up just sort of running away to Mexico because I was like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. What's the point? And I couldn't find a band in in Berlin that was that yeah, where, yeah. you know, because with know. Beak it was a very special thing and I, I couldn't really ever find anything where there was that freedom in the writing process, you know? Yeah. Or in yeah. just in the recording or this not non-expectation thing. Yeah. Which in yeah. Berlin everyone wants to make a buck or get famous or get signed or, you know, it's a little bit... It could, not everyone, but the ones that I was in, the, I don't know, it, it just wasn't right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it was just weird to turn up in Mexico and find, um, you know, firstly, so one of the guys had more synths than I've ever seen. And I thought, how how did these even get to Mexico? You know, like these yeah. Dutch, German, whatever synthesizers. And if any of them ever got broken, it would be a nightmare to fix them because you'd have to probably send it off for about a year to some guy somewhere in Mexico that would try and get the part, you know? Yeah, yeah, or back to Dusseldorf or somewhere. Yeah, which is, yeah, not really, you wouldn't really send it from Mexico to Dusseldorf. It just doesn't really, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it gets that far. I don't know, I wouldn't really trust the, the mail to take it, but... I know, yeah, yeah, Mexico, I kind of, I've only been there once, and um, it was a completely un, unreal experience in a sense we mm. had we had like bodyguards oh, really? and um yeah because we were they were playing this festival and i think okay. there's a fear that that something would happen they like the cartels might kind of kidnap the main bands oh really um, I, I don't know I, I mean that sounds a little bit Unless there was stuff around that time, maybe they, unless they put a threat in or something. I think it's about, I mean, it's most probably to do with insurance as well. I think it's... No, I mean, I've never, I've never heard of that. They they sometimes have security, especially, you know, for people stealing stuff or whatever. Maybe it just depends on the time. I think it was just a size, I think it was just a size of the, I don't think any normal person, you know, I think it's more the point of just how blown up it is. Like, because it's the it was like the Corona Festival kind of you know mm-hmm. it's like eighty thousand people or something, yeah. so I think they just they did it for everyone. 
they just did it. Yeah, like... no, so yeah. I, well, there it's got. There's quite a lot of security. Yeah. When, when did you play the Corona Festival? I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. 2012, 10, oh, something, okay. one of those years. <laughs> See, yeah. It's all—it's just all a blur now. But um, yeah, and so I never got to see anything. I just didn't yeah. didn't see anything. Posh hotel, like two hours of traffic to go through the centre, and that, oh yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, well, it's definitely changed a lot. Even in the time that I've been going there since I think 2013, and now it's um, you know in, in some ways it's it's not as dangerous, but then there's still a lot going on. But it's just moved outside a little bit. It's gone. It's, yeah. it's going on more in the countryside. And I mean, I was lucky. I've never experienced anything sort of touch wood. But I know you know in the end, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And yeah, but it'll happen anywhere. Just, I mean, it'll happen anywhere. I didn't want it to sound like oh Mexico's dangerous. It was just more the point that was my experience of it, and it was yeah. and so it was fairly rubbish because of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, yeah definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. No, it's it's very. Um, I mean, the gig the gig it's, it's was definitely great. a complicated place. It, it's just it just works in different ways. You know, that's one thing I had to learn, especially after spending all this time in Germany, um, where <laughs> everything's like so like on time and yeah. and there it's just different. You you people are often late by a couple of hours, sometimes even five hours. And if it rains, then the city stops and it's just this thing of, oh, the rain, you know, the rain. Everyone's just a bit more chilled out and a little bit more, you know, things run by different rules. I couldn't stand Um, that. (laughs) You know me. You know me. I would just be like weird. Yeah. No, it's kind of, sometimes it's frustrating, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, with the band, um, because we, we stuck it out and because we're friends and we ended up teaching each other stuff. So they told me to, they taught me a lot to chill out, you know, but then I taught them a little bit more about working under pressure maybe. And it's... And turning up on time stuff. Yeah, well, they, I mean, most of them do. Well, one of them Swedish and has lived there for 20 years. So yeah, oh, right. he, he's, he's usually on time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, in the end, it always gets done and it always works. You somehow. can rely on the Swedes to be punctual. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Annie, I'm hoping for a new Annika record sometime soon. It's been almost 10 years. That's way too long. It's way too long. We'll see what she plays on this new tour. Maybe some new material. Fingers crossed. Thanks so much to James Grau, who recorded Joe Casey and Matt Flagel in Kansas City, and to Jeff Barrow, who recorded he and Annika's conversation. This episode is co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi, who also recorded Annie and I at Hook and Fade Studios in Brooklyn. For behind-the-scenes content, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Ye old Facebook. It is feeling ye old these days, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the TalkHouse podcast is now available on Spotify. So while you're there checking out Exploded View or Annika's self-titled record. One-stop shop now. One-stop shop. We make it easy for him, you know? Yeah. Our theme song was composed and performed by The Range. I'd like to dedicate this week's episode to my dad, Jay, who's always been a huge fan of the podcast. Love you, dad. Thanks for listening, Jay. Till next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Annie Fell. Peace. Bye.